Hello and welcome to Dialer for Flanger, which is a chat show about comics and pop culture, and definitely uh, both today because I'm talking with Ryan Daly, um, and we're talking about the new comic Void Rivals. Uh, but uh, Ryan and I mostly recently we finally met in person in Heroes Con uh, 2023 in North Carolina, and it was a lovely time, wasn't it, Ryan? It was. Up until that point, I considered the two of us void rivals. Um, but now, that having met face to face, we were able to settle all differences and put them aside. And um, no, yeah, it was it was wonderful. Like I, I, I do love the kinds like this. This con in particular, I I kind of mentioned I didn't have I had a, I had a few specific goals and like in terms of meeting creators, getting things signed, that type of thing, and I accomplished them all really quickly. So the rest of it was just enjoying meeting a bunch of people that I've known voice only some for five or six, seven years now. Um, and a few people that I just, I'd never met before. And it was just, it was a really lovely experience to just kind of be able to socialize with people like you who I consider friends and now having like, yeah, of, of course we would get along and, and have a dinner together. So Confirmed the wisdom of that status. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I had a great time too. And yeah, I had uh, a few goals was uh, I'm trying to finish volume two of Swamp Thing, uh, which I almost have. I'm just waiting on one eBay away from doing that. And um, yeah, I, I had another goal to not start Swamp Thing volume one and you blew that through for me by <laughs> giving me one of the issues that you bastard. I did. I did. <laughs> but anyway, today we want to talk about Void Rivals, which you, if you're not sure about, is uh, well, this is going to be a spoilery podcast. We're going to talk about things that happen in the comic and things that we think may happen in the future, and we could be completely wrong about it all. Uh, but uh, yeah, Void Rivals, it's uh, a Robert Kirkman comic, and it's uh, basically about uh, two aliens who meet uh, crash land on a planet after a battle um, and it just sounds like enemy mine at this point and they have to work together to survive uh, but there's other things going on as well so yeah Ryan what what did you think of the first issue and uh, what were your impressions and what made you seek it out well I I was teased beforehand that this void rivals thing which uh, a, a new creation an original property but I knew going in that springing out of this would be the new status quo for both G.I. Joe and Transformers comics licensed based on uh, the Hasbro toy toy properties, um, just because I knew that they had previously been under the stewardship of IDW. That contract lapsed. It, they, they took a long, long time to announce who was going to be getting the, the new license for time. Some people thought it would go to Marvel or some other properties. I think for a while it became like the worst kept secret. That was that it was going to go to Robert Kirkman's Skybound because he had some plans for it. Um, but they didn't announce it for the longest time. And I think it was because they wanted it to sort of be a, a surprise when it comes into this first issue. Um, but I was, yeah, and that was another thing because I'll say that when it comes to Robert Kirkman's stuff, it's, it, it's kind of hit or miss for me. Um, I, I tend to like his concepts, but his actual writing sometimes I, I'll read like the first issue and be like, nah, this isn't for me. I just don't really feel like following along with this one. Um, but I loved this first issue just reading it. It was just very, like, the concept was simple, familiar, like you said, enemy mine. But the art, the scope, everything about it was fast, it was fresh, and it was just very, very intriguing. And by the end of it, like the cliffhanger ending, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board for this. I want to see where this goes. Yeah. 
And we should mention the, the art by Lorenzo Di Felici and uh, the colours by Matthew Lopez. It, it's a very interesting world. And, you know, the you really get a sense of, you know, this is a desolate planet. There's dust everywhere. You know, there's explosions when things malfunction. Um, and just the physicality of the characters is, you know, beautifully done, you know, particularly in this sort of desolate alien world. It's, you know, really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the main players in it, the first character introduced uh, to... Well, he gets dragged from his uh, spaceship by his uh, robotic hand. <laughs> hand droid. Yeah, hand droid, which, <laughs> yes. Um, and he is an Agorian named Derek. Um, and he's soon attacked by uh, Salila, who is a Zertonian. They both wear masks and they don't reveal their faces till the very end, which is uh, one of the, the sort of twists. And these these two species are honor bound to kill each other on sight. They're you know yes. part of just like this this endless war type of concept that we know. Yeah, and they have rules of engagement where they can't talk to each other and they can't show each other their faces, and they both seem to have the same propaganda that the other race is uh, gross and disgusting. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, they have to work together because they are both downed on this planet, and uh, you know they reluctantly do this. You know there are you know brief attempts to kill each other that they both give up on pretty quickly, and start working together. But at one point, they uh, Salila gives up because their their spaceship that they're trying to repair blows up, and she wanders off. And then she comes back and grabs him and says, "You got to come and see this." And um, yeah, they find something buried, and um, yeah, it, basically it. Uh, they put a little bit of power into it to see if they can uh, adapt it to get out of there, and it turns out to be Jetfire, the Transformer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was uh, the big twist in this. So um, now, I my comic shop owner swears blind that there's a whole bunch of people who love Robert Kirkman comics who don't love the Transformers, and that was why this was a stealth uh, launch because <laughs> he wanted to get all his, uh, uh, you know, his tr- diehard fans on board as well. So this setup was the the way to do that without forcing people to buy something they didn't want to commit to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, perhaps there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I know he has... I mean, I know some shops knew about this and ordered heavily, and I know some shops had no idea and ordered heavily because it was Robert Kirkman. So, and... Um, mm-hmm. Some shops ordered two copies because they didn't know about it at all, and uh, it was a risk for them. But uh, I bought the last copy that my shop had, so I, but I don't know how many they ordered. I just know that I got the last one they had in stock. Yeah, well, I came. I wanted to find one. I sent a message to um, my LCS because I was in America and said, hey, can I have one of these? Um, and due to the vagaries of our messaging system, it's one way, so I never know what happens until I get to the comic shop. <laughs> but but I found a stash of them at uh, at Heroes Con, so um, I I bought two copies and gave one to uh, Kevin who I was staying with. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, interesting setup. So the the thing we can do about this is speculate. So all right, a transformer is there. He uh, Jetfire um, basically speculates that he's been there millions of years because of the the mildew on him and uh, the growth and the sand erosion and things like that. And before they can even talk to him, he's like, oh, I've got to get back to Cybertron and the war, and <laughs> just zooms <Right>. off. <laughs> yeah. Peace out. Yeah. yeah, and then 
they are stranded and their next decision is uh, let's take off our helmets because we can use the tech in those to maybe help us get out of here. Um, so they both take off their helmets and they face each other and they are both, uh, you know, pretty much attractive humanoids with a different shaped gem on their heads, which to me indicates that they're sort of engineered races, perhaps. What were your thoughts about that? Yeah, they're some sort of advanced human of like a future civilization. Like, again, just like seeing the premise, seeing Jetfire is like, OK, so this might be a new continuity unless we're in a far future and he's been asleep for another million years <laughs> like the the you know maybe it is continuing off of the same the same continuity but yeah it could be uh an advanced futuristic offshoot of humanity or a genetically created artificial race or species um not sure but yeah definitely the the thing about that is Derek when he sees it he he has this kind of cryptic message of this is just like in my vision like he's so there's some sort of like that's the first sense of something we know like he he reveals something of himself from before the crash before whatever set them there um and we'll see what that has to do maybe maybe there's something about that that made him more less less willing less hardcore about killing the sertonian the first the first chance he got and more accepting of her and willing to work with her. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's interesting because they both wear helmets. And um, mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed about the helmet, well, uh, Derek's helmet is very, you know, sort of blocky, like a bit like Robot Man. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. Uh, so Leela's has like a, a sort of swoop in the helmet design to make it look like she has a female, you know, countenance. Mm-hmm. But she has these kind of glowing eyes in the middle of her helmet and he has a very blocky head. And if you combine those two traits, you kind of get Rom, the Space Knight, as far as a visual design. Another Hasbro property. Another Hasbro property. And that's, I mean, one of the things Kirkman likes to spring surprises. I mean, I, I recall back to when Firepower launched and basically he didn't tell anyone it was coming. He did a free comic book day for it and then dropped a trade paperback <laughs> with the first mm-hmm. issue. And uh, yeah, that was a real, um, you know, stunner. And that, I guess this is what you can do when you've got lots of money stashed away that you can make these things and just launch them as whole cloth. So well, I think the final issue of The Walking Dead was a show, was like a surprise like he didn't announce that like you know there's this million dollar franchise thing based on like the television show and everything and one of the longest image comics running and everything he's just like nope that was the end the finale just came out of nowhere yeah it generates buzz in a way that uh you know no one else does so maybe he does have all the the hasbro properties and this would include uh rom and mask uh the vehicular one and uh micronauts perhaps so you know maybe these are all surprises that are coming out of it and maybe void rivals is the book that launches these things so yeah um but let's discuss the void you know the the fact that Jetfire jets off somewhere and he's stranded there and uh, it says at the beginning of the book in the captions that it's um uncharted space where they are mm-hmm. crash landed yeah so is the void is it something special perhaps is it between worlds is it between times is it some sort of portal place to everywhere i mean knowing things like that would make things like gi joe uh, much more uh, compatible with this world i think well i mean do we get a sense of what the void even looks like on anything other than the cover? I kind of think like the, the circle behind the, the main character's heads 
is that the void? Is that the only thing we're talking about? Like, we know about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, there is references in the solicitations to something called the Sacred Ring, but mm-hmm. you know, is that something already from the Transformer universe? Or is uh, have you heard of that before? I plead ignorance. No, I've never heard of it in relation to either property. Now, I don't. I haven't read every Transformers book, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, in terms of that. Though, well, the other thing that we can mention is that, like, as these books offshooting they are being referred to as the Energon shared universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Energon certainly comes out of the, the Transformers. Yeah, that's the power source, isn't it? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. I must admit, I was a little too old for tra- our Transformers, um, so I came at it sort of later with a, a more um, adult sensibility. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I never read the comics and things like that because, um, yeah, I, I deem them too childish for me in my adult <laughs> ways. But, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm always in for toys. I love toys. Yeah. I mean, basically, if uh, G.I. Joe and Cobra... No, I mean, that's one of the things they've announced. There's definitely a Transformer comic coming out of it and it's going to be done by daniel warren johnson i believe it's a a limited arc perhaps or a launching arc by him because i don't think he can do infinite issues at the rate mm-hmm. that he draws um now if you if anyone's unfamiliar with uh, daniel warren johnson he has a very um spectacular style of art and very kinetic and uh you know i remember seeing a a commission he did of robot man and it's like okay he's going to draw a robot man but it was like <laughs> robot man was one eighth of the picture and the rest was something getting smashed apart by robot man like this giant (laughs) machine and it was you know totally ridiculous the detail and everything and of course he did the beta ray bill uh comic and murder falcon and uh do a power bomb and things like that uh, which are all you know highly um energetic (laughs) <laughs> properties mm-hmm. i guess that he creates and the fact that he is a transformer fan so he wants to draw these transformers so uh, that's exciting but they've also th- there's going to be a duke uh series duke <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from the head of the gi joe and there's also a cobra series yeah that's the, that's the interesting thing they, we know larry hama's gi joe a real american hero series which started off in marvel with gi joe one and then was picked up and that continuity was continued by idw that is going to pick up again with issue 301 by skybound and, and robert kirkman's thing but it's not part of this energon universe that's its own animal they're just letting larry hama write gi joe until one of them dies <laughs> I, I think i think um, but yeah, in terms of where the, the G.I. Joe property fits into the Void Rivals, this Energon shared universe, we're just assuming there will be a core G.I. Joe book, but it's, they're not announcing that yet. Right now, it's just Duke and it's just Cobra Commander getting their own sub, like, t- titles, either ongoing or miniseries. And I find that interesting, like, Perhaps in this world, like, we don't have a G.I. Joe concept yet, and that'll be something that springs out of it. And, again, this is just kind of me speculating. I mean, if they are set on contemporary present-day Earth, perhaps, I, I don't know, like, like Cobra Commander has always been this terrorist leader, and maybe... Maybe the if the, the access to Energon or some future or like a Cybertronian technology or something like that, uh, it like gives him greater access to something, or maybe they'll they will re- kind of rewrite what Cobra is and as an organization. And I'm kind of thinking because of like the 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 space and the science fiction nature of it, 
Um, if anybody's familiar with the, the TV show, The Expanse or the book series that inspired it, uh, where you've got a set of worlds and, and a kind of colony based on our solar system. But within that, because of the corporate structure and the exploitation of people for resources, you have a geopolitical system that could foster terrorist activity, even in space. And maybe Cobra Commander is going to be something out of that. Maybe it's coming out of a, a Zertonian or a, an Agorian faction or something like that. And it will have nothing to do with Earth and humanity. And yeah. maybe, uh, you know, maybe Duke is something along the other side of that. They just will see that they're not the same people that we assume yeah or uh, the other theory that uh, i've heard is that uh, both these organizations will be a response to uh, transformers arriving on earth perhaps so probably possibly yeah yeah so yeah we don't know yeah the other possibility is mask will be part of uh, this world and um one of the things i've always thought uh, uh, the thing about mask is they have vehicles that uh, basically pop out weapons everywhere and you know like a car becomes a plane and things like that right. and to me that just sounds like transformers without sentience that's i, I can certainly see the narrative potential of like having like human that's humanity's response to seeing the transformers is to try try and like hijack that technology and and repurpose it and do the same thing and i can see the narrative idea and the scope for where mask belongs within the the framework of gi joe and transformers but the thing about it like if you step outside i've never really been excited about the idea of mask sharing the same world as gi joe and transformers because as you say it's Okay, they've got these vehicles that can change shape and transform. Well, like you said, that's kind of like Transformers. It's it's already been done. Okay, but at the heart of it, all these vehicles, they're piloted by humans. And we've got these two factions of good guys and bad guys based on this snake theme. Okay, we have that with G.I. Joe. But the humans also have these helmets or these masks, as they are, that have something kind of like a, an individual superpower well, that's not something that G.I. Joe has, so it, does that make them superior to G.I. Joe's? And I just think, like, G.I. Joe and Transformers, they're different enough that they're not stepping on each other's toes, unless the Transformers literally step on them. <laughs> um, but, but with Mask, if you insert that, I think the danger of Mask is it either makes one of them redundant or forces you to kind of make like a value judgment is is mask cooler than transformers or or do, like do you need where do you need gi joe if you have mask if you've already got humans that can interact with these big robots and oh yeah the humans also have helmets that can shoot fireballs or make them invisible or do these other cool things like what do you need a, a squad that just has machine guns for I mean, maybe they'll bring something new that we haven't thought of. But yeah, there is a possibility it could get very crowded if they're all interacting with each other in the same ways. Uh, yeah, interesting. And again, I have no idea where you might put Rom in this in this world. Yeah, or the Space Knights or the Dire Wraiths or things like that. Though I believe Marvel is keeping the the rights think, to yeah. Dire Wraiths because they were so. generated in the comics and not in the toys. Yeah, it, it's it's all interesting, but I mean, one thing we know for sure is that Robert Kirkman has a plan. Um, and let, let's talk about helmets and masks for a minute. So the issue, I mean, the first time I read it, I, di I didn't pick up on it, but at the end of the issue, they basically said, we're going to take off our helmets, um, which is a reason to look at each other, for one, but mm -hmm. two, we're going to use the tech in the helmets. Um, and 
the there's a little panel in the back of the book showing uh, possibly the cover for the next issue and their helmets are sort of got wires everywhere and integrating into technology and um yeah someone who knows transformers better than me went quintessons that's quintessons and uh, oh. yeah do you want to talk about the quintessons because i um don't have much of a handle on them i've only seen transformers the movie once and it was uh i only know just from the the animated series that the quintessons are uh, these ancient progenitors that uh, essentially created what we know of as the Cybertronians, and they're sort of responsible for the creation of what would become the Autobots and the Decepticons. Um, I, I don't know much more than that. Uh, ah. and, and again, like the the lore, the mythology of the Transformers has been told several different times by different publishers, and I really I'm only remembering this from the animated series episode, the five faces of darkness from like 1987. Uh, okay. So yeah, I believe that Quintessence created the transformers. I think. Okay. Uh, from what I've heard, that was, uh, that was bullshit and they didn't, and they were just claiming, claiming to, um, okay. so they, they were much more duplicitous about things. Uh, but yeah, they're different faces on different sides. So they basically turn themselves into a sort of a top arrangement and they basically all have to agree to, you know, sentence someone to death or set them free and things like that so yeah and they would spin and say different things that's my understanding of it but yeah i don't know much much more than you as far as you know you could see that these helmets combined together would create a race that uh you know could make decisions somehow or some you know have some progenitor role or something we're not really sure but um, or i mean like like, I mean, just like think about like the the hand droid. Like there there's an AI component inside of Derek's glove. I mean, is it his his is it just a glove or is it his full hand? Is it is our arm artificial? But there is some sort of intelligence unit in his hand that is able to move autonomously and communicate with him, and has its own kind of agenda or at least its own protocols. If the hand got separated from Derek, or the glove did something like that, like could that interface with the the helmet or something like that? I mean, then you've got another kind of visual cue of like the the fingers as tentacles, similar to the Quintessons, mm. five fingers, five you know faces, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and also, um, uh, Salila is very suspicious of the handroid and calls it the Agorian crutch. Um, mm. y- yeah. And it, it's yeah. saying, hey, you can't take your helmets off, and hey, you can't talk to each other, and hey, you know, don't tell me your name because I don't want to get familiar with you. And yeah, there's definitely some third-party programming in there that it uh, is. It is def- it's the voice of the propaganda that they've been, yeah. they've been living with, that they've been read, like understood. Yeah, and Micronauts, if they're also involved, this this is really bonkers. You know, I, I don't know much about Micronauts apart from them being cool toys when I was young, and they had <laughs> uh, missiles that could knock down things from like twenty feet away, uh, but I believe um, could choke children as well. So yeah, that, that's what I know about Micronauts. But uh, gosh, I wanted a lot when I was young. Yeah, do you know much about the world of Micronauts? Never had the toys, never read the comics. Don't. Yeah, that's that's a that's a blind spot for me. Yeah, well, maybe that's part of it, and that will be interesting to see. Um, I, I mean, I must admit, I kind of went into this first issue as kind of a speculator, saying, "Oh, I better get in on the ground floor of this so I know, and then I can, you know, um, sell it on later and things like that." Because I do that occasionally just to fund my. Uh, my, my my habit <laughs> but yeah no I, I was actually in because i thought i'm really interested in 
this world with just these people alone, you know, despite mm-hmm. everything else. And I think the fact that, you know, Jetfire was in it, but then he left is, you know, key. It's not really, hey, you know, Jetfire's pals on this planet, you know. Yeah, like this isn't a Transformer story. It has a cameo, but it's clearly like he's he's in there. They wake him up and he's off to do his own thing. Like we said, he's just like, yeah, good day, and takes off. So they're like, oh, okay, he's not our Deus Ex Machina. He's not there to save their their to save them and and help them out and everything. But so it, so it's not like this this Void Rivals thing is not a Transformers book. It's just our first peek at this. I know that Robert Kirkman did say like this whole thing is kind of a love letter to those Saturday morning cartoons and the toys that sort of inspired those. So this whole little like the, the all these like Hasbro products that we've kind of been mentioning. So I think there will have a kind of the whimsy and the, the high adventure of some of those like 80s properties that uh, that they had and and what those toys mean, whether or not whatever they do with them. And again, like it's whatever, whatever history, whatever lore, whatever continuity we know about these properties, we can't take those for granted that it's, that we're going to be seeing the same thing because like with, with Rom, all of the characterization, the history, everything about the space knights, everything about the diorites, all of those things are the creations of Marvel comics and still owned by Marvel. The only thing about Rom that ha- that was Hasbro's is just what the character looks like and the name. So that's all Kirkman, I think, has to work with. Like, it is a complete blank slate. Um, and and the, the same might very well be true for Micronauts and Transformers and, and G.I. Joe. So mm. we very much shall see where they go with this. It could be something completely different. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's our speculation on the first issue. Um, now, we possibly might come back and do another issue uh, to discuss and uh, when we know a bit more, uh, if you're up for that, Ryan. Yeah, I know issue two comes out in like two weeks from when we're recording this. Um, we could come back after that or we could wait a little bit longer, maybe after the first issues of the other series drop. Yeah, um, yeah, that would something be like that. Obviously later at the end of this year. But yeah. And if we're completely wrong with all our speculation, you may never hear from us again. And, you know, that was a waste of our time and (laughs) mental energy. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's going to be fun because, uh, you know, it's too often we know too much about everything. And it's nice to have something we don't know everything about. And uh, particularly if it can prompt you going, well, what if or how about this or things like that. So, yeah. And as you said, Kirkman's very clear that he didn't want to redo what IDW was already doing with both these properties. He wanted to do something new, rebuild it from the ground floor up, but uh, in a way that captures your imagination and makes you want to get out your toys and bang them together. So, And that's why I think I, I really do wonder, because for speaking for at least for G.I. Joe, IDW's take on G.I. Joe was pretty grounded, pretty current, real, very sort of like cutting edge military action but sort of felt like it was spinning off of contemporary military fiction like the Bourne movies and black hawk down and those types of those types of things um in the way they were written when idw first took over the the gi joe property maybe kirkman is doing like he said more of a saturday morning thing and it will have a little bit more of the fantastical elements of the cartoon or even taking it could be Again, it could be a, an entirely space-based science fiction thing. There's no saying that Jejo can't be, you know, uh, you know, is a real American hero, a real 
Earth-based, you know, like privateer company or something like that. Yeah, at its best, it's kind of exciting and goofy. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. you yeah. want to sort of bridge that vibe where yeah. there can be a guy who owns a crocodile as a pet, <laughs> stuff like that. There should be. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, right. So, uh, thanks for this chat. Now, if people want to hear more about you and what you do and talk about and stuff, what do you talk about? First, I can't imagine they would, but if they do, uh, check out the Fire and Water Podcast Network. We have dozens by now, if not hundreds of different podcasts about all sorts of different topics. Uh, you can find me. My primary show these days is Cheerscast, where I talk about the 1980s and 90s sitcom Cheers, one episode at a time. From time to time, I also do podcasts about music on Fire and Water Records and Star Wars. Give me those Star Wars, and I'll get back to some new episodes of those later in the year. For now, that's kind of it. But, yeah, you can also find some older shows that I've done that are either on permanent hiatus or officially canceled, but they're all there at the Fire and Water (laughs) Podcast Network. Yeah, some of your old shows were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the old shows, that's where I peaked. My new new stuff is just kind of, that was the overwhelming message I got from Heroes Con was, boy, the stuff I was doing in 2017, that was really good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, there was an Australian interviewer who's a comedian, and when Steve Martin came out to Australia, and he he interviewed him and said, so how come you're not funny anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) yeah, if if you have any speculation about this world and Void Rivals and Transformers and G.I. Joe and, you know, anything else, um, you can come to the website waitingfordoom.com. There's a post for this show and you can leave a comment there um, and you can find me on social media around the place. I don't know. It's all changed. But, yeah, uh, thanks for listening and, yeah, have fun in the Void, everyone. Will you be mine? 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 Will